This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Near Never podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Good evening and welcome to tonight's No Near Never podcast. Hopefully it will run slightly better than last week's show, which was admittedly a bit shambles. James Bird and Nathan Rogers are my guests this evening. Um, unfortunately, some bad news today, not strictly Burnley, Burnley related, but we should get this out of the way first. Former Burnley striker Jay Rodriguez has been ruled out of the World Cup after suffering an anterior cruciate knee ligament injury in Southampton's weekend defeat at Manchester City. Rodriguez landed awkwardly when controlling a high ball uh, with no other players around him and unfortunately it looks like he's going to be out for at least six months. So all the best to Jay Rodriguez and hopefully he'll be fit and firing next season, although not against us in the Premier League. Get well soon, Jay. Same injury as Sam Volks, of course. Uh, James, you've got a theory that you're desperate to share about these knee injuries, aren't you? Yeah, well, it's, it's clearly Chris Foy, isn't it? You know, Obviously, it's Chris Foy's game. fault, but explain why it's Chris Foy's fault. It was the referee at the Leicester game, Sam Vokes does his ACL. Referee in the City Saints game, J-Rod does his ACL. And in both games, there's some absolutely shocking decisions. It's clearly a, a Chris Foy thing. He's got like a, a field around him that just injures star strikers. Makes it mips. I'm just gonna just gonna leave that theory there, and um, yeah, we'll move on now to talking about the last uh, the Watford game. Sorry, at the weekend, Burnley travelled to Vicarage Road, got a one-all draw at Watford, who have been in very good form at home recently. Actually, they've been six unbeaten, five wins in a row as well. Um, Burnley needed a late goal from Scott Arfield, but it was an excellent, excellent result, especially considering. Other games certainly went our way with Derby and QPR both beaten. Um, James, we were hanging on for quite a long time during the game, weren't we? But it was a classic Burnley performance this season in that we always kept ourselves in the game. Yeah, I mean, it, we had to battle really hard on Saturday, but I think on another day we'd, we'd perhaps win there. Uh, obviously, Barnes had a goal disallowed, and at the time I didn't think it was offside. Uh, the replays don't really show you enough to, to tell, but I think it's telling that none of the Watford players sort of looked to appeal for an offside when it went in. So, um, you know, it was a tough game. We had to battle hard, but maybe on another day we've, we've had a bit more luck there and come away with three points. 
the TV replays are quite inconclusive, aren't they, of the, the Barnes incident because the, by the time the camera's on Barnes, he's already putting the ball in the net, so it's not really clear, but it certainly looked like it was a close one. And at that stage of the game, it, it meant that it could have had a big impact. Another major turning point, I felt, was the, the Anya chance after he went round Tom Heaton and Chris Baird got back to clear off the line. You feel 2-0 in the second half. It's a long way back from that. Yeah, I mean, it's an absolute shocker as well. God only knows what he's what he's thinking when he he barely even hits the thing. Uh, I think he's I think he's probably on his wrong foot and he just doesn't caught it. Well, yeah, enough. I mean, he, he has enough time to stop and put it on his right foot. He's he's got that much time after taking it past Eaton there. I mean, he really should do better. But the, Burnley had had a, had a few chances in the first half. There's one that Barnes should have done better with. He, he had a diving header from. Um, I think it was a Carty cross and he puts it over from a position where really you'd be expecting to score. Um, but, you know, I thought we were good value for our point in the end. We'd you know, worked hard. Maybe individually we didn't see some of the best performances, but I think as a team it was uh, you know, one of our best performances of the season. You've got to bear in mind as well that there were five first-team players ruled out of the game to start with and then by the time we equalised, David Jones had gone off. Um, through illness, we believe, but Jones should be okay for tomorrow night at Barnsley. Yeah. So, so but there's a game changer game on six, there. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I was just coming to that. Arguably, six of you, your strongest eleven is out injured, but the lads who came in did extremely well. And your your man Brian Stock, who um, hasn't played a lot this season, has he? he? Improved us when he came on. It's fair to say. Yeah, he came on and uh, he showed that passing ability. I think we know he's all got. Um, got his foot on the ball and spread it around well and uh, it really opened a few few extra things up that I think have been missing. The situation probably suited Stockwell, didn't it, when Watford were maybe sitting in a little bit and we had a lot of the ball at that stage. I always think Stock's a little bit suspect when teams really get at him, but he had a little bit of time on the ball and he's great in those situations, isn't he? Yeah, he's a real possession player, I think. If you're, if you're playing football and you, you're going to have you have the ball a lot, you want someone who can you know, can stroke it round. Uh, I know people sometimes are critical of his style of play that they they do play square balls a lot, but uh, you know arguably quite often it works. And uh, you've seen that there. You know you you utilise the full backs well, get the ball back out to the wingers, and you've always got someone in the middle to sort of recycle it. Recycling possession is extremely important to the way we play the game. I think with a lot of our play. Good- us down the wing, so it's vital that we get the ball back out wide before teams have regrouped. A couple of comments already coming in off the live chat. If you are listening live, please do join in. It always makes it a better show. And if you're listening through Twitter, uh, use the hashtag NNMPod and we'll get those comments read out as well. Jack's been on. He says, I thought we looked pretty good going forward, but unnaturally shaky at the back. Gank says, we defended very well. It took a quality long-range strike to get through our excellent defence, so that just shows how, how different opinions can be. And Daniel says, always going to look suspect defensively with Hector and Stock in midfield. Well, we kept a clean sheet with Hector and Stock in midfield, so I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, we'll bring yeah, Nathan in. Sorry, go on, James, have you got something that, to say? That's, that's, that's bizarre, criticising the, the last <laughs> 20 minutes think... of defensive work. In fact, Brian Stock made two sensational uh, bits of play when he was the only man back after they counter-attacked for one of our corners and he, he got a good block in and then cleared the resulting corner as well. So a bit, bit harsh, I'd say, to criticise the defensive work then and obviously a bit worrying to criticise Edgar's defensive work in midfield since that's what he is, a defender. 
I think Daniel was probably just trying to get a bite off you there, so he certainly got one. <laughs> I mean, he defended Edgar, so... <laughs> How did you think David Edgar did? Because I was a bit surprised he was on the starting lineup after I thought he was quite poor last weekend. Yeah, he, he was. I thought it was abysmal last weekend, but actually, to be fair to him, he was reasonably good. Uh, his passing looked a lot better. He didn't give it away to anyone, uh, which is always a plus point. It was difficult for him last weekend coming on after just ten minutes, wasn't it? And in a, an unfamiliar formation as well, with just the the one up front. I think that was just difficult all round. And maybe some of the criticism after the last game was a little bit unfair. Looking back, Nathan will bring you in. Now it's just a sign of the strength of character of the group, isn't it? Dash is always keen to talk about the group, but the fact that so many players can be out and we still get a result. Uh, they're a good side, Watford, and very. Strong at home recently, so to get a one-all draw, it felt like a win, didn't it? Oh yeah, massively. I mean, I was, I, I unfortunately couldn't make it to the game, but I was, you know, biting through my fingers and got away all down to the knuckles. By the end of the game, it was a pretty tense game, but you know, we've just kind of developed this band of brothers mentality, and every player just fights for each other. And you know, he's Dash has worked miracles getting his this squad to do that in such a short space of time. It usually takes two or three seasons, but you know, he's just gelled this squad together and picking up results at Watford is a, is a fantastic achievement when we've, when we're so weak, well, obviously when the players are injured and all that. Especially with um, the other results as well. Obviously this stage of the season, you're keeping an eye on the teams around you. And yeah. For a long time on Saturday, we were losing, Derby were losing and QPR were losing. So it was clear we weren't going to lose a lot of ground. But when our field's equaliser goes in, suddenly we're a point better off than at the start of the day and I think a lot of people now have joined James Bird's We're Already Up club. Would (laughs) would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think I joined that club around a similar time with James thought. Um, You know, we were just, you know, we were asking, they were asking of us to do something that we'd not done all season and that's lose more games in the last seven than all, you know, the rest of the season. So I'd already pretty much (laughs) said we were up at that point, so... The situation now, of course, is with six games left to go, we've got a 10-point cushion. Uh, tough games as well this week for the chasing pack. We've got mm. Barnsley away and uh, Derby and QPR are both in East Lancashire, actually, aren't they? Mm. I think, is it Derby have got um, They've got Blackburn. Blackpool. They've got They're Blackpool dark. and yeah. QPR have got Blackburn. So yeah. actually do with Rovers doing us a little bit of a favour, although... Of course, the situation we're in at the minute is so strong, we don't really need to be relying on other teams. Um, James, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the statistics yet, but what's what's the earliest we can now get promoted? Is is it still looking like Blackpool could be the one? I'd say Blackpool looks the one, but um, because obviously we need nine points to to guarantee it, so three wins obviously would be uh, Tuesday night, Saturday and and Friday. But... um, if both Derby and QPR lose tomorrow night, uh, we win both our games, then Saturday could be the one. But I think it's it's asking a lot for Derby to get beat by Blackpool. Blackpool have been quite poor for a long time now, haven't they? They won a couple of games recently, but then they seem to have uh, yeah, they got to be very horrible recently as well, didn't they? I mean, yeah. Well, this stage of the season, I think anyone could beat anyone, but yeah, Blackpool. You could say they're going to be scrapping like Barnsley will be tomorrow night, but yeah, you would expect Derby and QPR to both get positive results tomorrow. So there you have it. This time next week on the Northern Ever podcast, we could be talking about promotion. 
Burnley technically could go up on Saturday, although it's more likely to be over the Easter weekend. And could be after that, of course, we're not going to count any chickens, but the, the situation we're in at the moment is very strong. Which means, I suppose, people start looking ahead to next season. And one of the things I do want to talk about on tonight's podcast is the players who are out of contract and whether or not they're likely to stick around at Turf Moor, assuming um, that we do get promoted, which, as, as we keep saying, it is an assumption, but the way things are going, it is looking quite good. There are, are a few players who are out of contract at the end of the season, uh, running through the squad by squad numbers. First of which is Danny Lafferty, of course, cover for Ben Mee at left-back. Michael Duff, as well, is currently uh, out of contract in the summer. Junie Stanislas, David Edgar, Luke O'Neill, Chris Baird, Michael Kiley, of course, is on loan. Brown Stock and Keith Tracy. So quite a few players whose futures are up in the air. So I uh, just want to get the opinions of the, the listeners as well. And, of course... I panel this evening, excuse me, just a moment there, and which of these players you think are going to be around you? I suppose, looking at the list, James, none of those are really now strongest 11 apart from Duff, are they? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say that, um, you know, going up as well, the step up in quality is going to be, you could see it maybe as an opportunity to, to refresh in a few few spots. Um, and I think maybe even in the case of Duff, uh, you maybe have to have a long, hard think. Because he has in recent weeks maybe shown that, you know, what pace he had has deserted him a bit. And while he's still got a great footballing brain, uh, it's whether he's, he's got the legs, I think, for another for another go at the Premier League. I think um, it's very difficult with Michael Duff, isn't it? Because he's been at the club nearly 10 years. He's been absolutely fantastic. There's so many times... He's not started the season as first choice and then by the end of it he's back in the side because he he just forces his way back in. But he will turn 37 halfway through next season. It's hard to see a 37-year-old Michael Duff lining up against players like Luis Suarez, Sergio Aguero. You just think that we're going to need to replace him. But do you not think he's worth keeping us cover for another year, maybe? I think it entirely depends on, on what he wants, I think, to be honest. Um, you know, if he wants a... You know, another season where maybe he's happy to be a bit part player. Um, then yeah, sure, give him another twelve months. I think it'd be great to see him retire as a claret rather than go elsewhere. Um, you know, I think that's what it would be. It'd be twelve months as a bit part player rather than you know twelve months as someone who's likely to get a start. I suppose it, it like you say, it depends whether he thinks he'll get football elsewhere. But he certainly deserves another chance to play in the Premier League. And I would hope that there will be an offer on the table from the club. Of course, Duff will be 10 years as a client, as a even, so hopefully a testimonial for, for Michael Duff, just to give everyone a chance to show their appreciation for what an excellent player he's been for us for the last 10 years. Also in defence then, uh, Danny Lafferty, who's not played a lot this season, but he's, I think he's always been fine as cover for Ben Mee. I suppose the age Danny Lafferty's in, he's sort of mid-20s, Nathan, do you think... Lafferty will be wanting to move away and get first team football elsewhere. You'd expect, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think I think realistically he's going to look at it. Um, he, I mean, Ben B's, Ben Mee's had an outstanding season, and I think that you know that's his spot for next season. Um, and I, I just don't think Lafferty could make the step up. I don't think. Uh, but I, th- I think he'd probably be looking elsewhere for first team football next season. <laughs> Especially when he's got his international aspirations to worry about. Mm. Of course, 
yeah. Lafferty in around the, the Northern Ireland side. So he'll, he'll want to make sure he's playing regularly to make sure he's going to yeah. play at international level. So, yeah, Danny Lafferty potentially leading the club in the summer. Moving on, uh, the next player on the list, Junior Stanislas, I would obviously give him a contract, so a 10-year yeah. contract. Um, Stanislas and Tracy may be worth doing those two together because... They're sort of similar, aren't they? Sort of flare wingers who dip in and out of out of form, and they can have bad weeks and good weeks. Uh, James, we'll start with you. What would you be thinking, Stanislav and Tracy? I mean, unfortunately, is you know as much as I think we all want Keith to be uh, the ultimate cult hero, uh, I, I think both have to have to go. To be honest, move on. Um, both are fantastic players on their day, but unfortunately, it's just not their day very often. I think recently both players have had a, a couple of games in the side, haven't they? And I know it's partly been down to injuries, but part of me wonders if um, that's Dyche giving them one last chance to impress. And obviously we saw Stanislav's man of the match in the Doncaster game, but then he had arguably his worst game of the season in the Leicester game and then got injured again. So that was maybe his chance to impress. And Tracy, he did okay at Watford, didn't he? But maybe not enough to be knocking the manager's door out for a new contract. Um, what do you make of those two, Nathan? Would you be keeping either of them for next season? Um, I, w- I would have to say, I would have to agree with James and say no. Um, I- I'd like, like, deep down within me, I'd like to think Stanislas had just come really good in the Premier League and he would just turn into this player we've all expected, but I just I just don't think he's, he's too inconsistent and next season, consistency is going to be key for us, I think. It is interesting, isn't it, though? Because players like Stanislas and Tracy perhaps get a little bit more time on the ball in the Premier League, maybe. I, I always think the football league's a bit more physical and teams are a bit in your face, whereas in the Premier League, maybe teams stand off a little bit and let you play, which would suit those two a yeah. bit more. But, yeah, I think looking at their both their Burnley careers, they haven't really done enough to, to warrant getting a new contract. I mean, looking at the stats from this season, Tracy's only started 13 games. Stanislas has started 10, so between them, yeah. they haven't even started half the game. So it's been a bit part rolling. I would hope that the club looking ahead at next season will be thinking any player that we bring in has to be better than what we've got and yeah. re-signing players solely as cover. Maybe not the best way to go about it. Um, another player who's been um, on the fringes of the setup all season, really, is David Edgar. Of course, start the last two games with Dean Marnie suspended. Sorry, came on early in the last game, but he's played most of the last two games. Uh, utility player as well, Edgar, of course, can fill in at fullback and centre back is probably his position by trade. Uh, but again, James, is Edgar good enough to be playing in the Premier League? Um, I think he's actually worth keeping around just as, like we said, a utility player. But you'd hope it'd probably never get to the situation where you need him. I think he's just a comfortable person to have on the bench because he is really, I think, a centre-back by trade. Um, Very versatile, isn't he? He can play three or four positions. Yeah, but if you're desperate, you can you can put him anywhere. And I think that does give you a bit more flexibility. Because, you, you know, you I don't know, Stay by some miracle, you find yourself in a position like you're freeing up at Stamford Bridge. Do you want to keep playing open attacking football, or do you want to be able to bring someone on who's going to sit back? And I think you'd need that option on the bench to be able to convert to a more defensive formation. And he's someone who can be that utility player rather than having a you know specialised defensive midfielder on the bench. 
it will be interesting to see if we try and bring in a defensive midfielder type player in the summer because Edgar's the closest we've got at the minute and you just think like four four twos work well all season but with Volks probably missing the start of the season you wonder if we'll play one up front a bit more and then you'll need someone a specialist for that defensive midfield role. So that's certainly one to keep an eye on. Um, staying in midfield, dare I even ask you about Brian Stock? The guy's clearly deserving of a contract. Fantastic football. <laughs> uh, I think the Premier League is suiting. He would get more time on the ball you know, to pick out those peachy passes. And uh, I, think, I think he's deserving of a year. <laughs> Three starts this season for Brian Stock. So whether but he, has, he has been injured. He did play more he last has. season, actually. Until the uh, bizarre sending off at Barnsley sort of broke up his season a bit. Yeah, that is true. He doesn't really seem a very dash player to me, so I'd be a bit surprised if Stocks around next season. Uh, Nathan, what are your thoughts on David Edgar and Brian Stock? Um, I, I don't think Edgar will be sticking around and same with Stock. I think they'll both move on, um, and I think we'll probably go for a replacement like like we were talking about the um, like a specific central uh, defensive midfielder. I think that's what we're lacking, just a designated de- a, a defensive midfielder that will come in and do a shift for you know 30 minutes towards the end of the game. Or even someone uh, to play sort of the same role Graham Alexander did for a couple of years, mm. where you just sit in front of the back four and keep things ticking over and yeah. provide that buffer for the defence as well. You don't expect our defence to come under a lot of pressure next season, so maybe having someone else in there as a bit of protection would be good. Um Another player, another defender, I suppose Luke O'Neill is going to leave the club in the summer, hasn't he? We've not seen a lot of him. And Cameron Dummigan, a young right-back in the under-21 squad, looks to have a lot of potential, so no need to keep Luke O'Neill's cover, really, is there, James? Uh, No, I think it's almost... uh, um, If you ask most fans, they'd say, who? Um, Which I You sort of forget that he's a Burnley player, don't you? He spent so much time out on loan the last two years as well. Yeah, uh, and when you're talking about a side that's about to enter the Premier League, I don't think you're going to be putting players in there who haven't even managed to really get on the bench for the first team. So, interestingly, we pretty much all agreed that Lafferty, um, Edgar, O'Neill, Stock, Tracy Stanislas, all quite unlikely to be Burnley players next season. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Baird, on the other hand, he's done very well since coming in on the short-term deal, hasn't he, Nathan? You'd expect yeah. getting Chris Baird on a, a longer-term deal. That's surely going to be one of the first things we do this summer. Oh, definitely. You know, he, the games he's been in, he's he's been he's been absolutely quality. He's got such a calmness and like such a collectiveness about him. And you know, I think you know he's had that Premier League experience and. It would just be invaluable, I think, to us with a side that you know relatively has not a lot of Premier League experience. Near to none, I think he'll be invaluable to us next season. I think that's a very good point. You always need players who, who know the league. It's a different yeah. proposition in the Premier League. And Chris Baird has got plenty of experience. And the fact he can play different positions as well. I, I wouldn't be massively surprised if Baird started the season at centre-back alongside Shackle. That's where he's played a lot of his games. So if we are looking for... A slightly younger replacement for Michael Duff. Maybe Chris Baird would be in Sean Dash's thoughts. Uh, James, you agreed that Chris Baird on a, a couple-year deal maybe would be sensible business for the summer? Yeah, I mean, he's got that experience there. And if you can you know, get him for the right price, um, you'd definitely take him. I think uh, there's a few people around the club who like him. Um, I know that see, he's, he's known Lee Hughes before, although last time he, he was sold um, by Lee. But uh, I think... 
there's a you know there's a player there who's who's been there, done that. He's got quite a bit of ability about him, but I think most impressively was the fact that he'd been out of out of uh, a club for a little while. Hadn't played for a while as he came in cold. Yeah, yeah. and he came towards he, the he slotted straight him straight away. away. Yeah, his fitness was top notch. You know, from yeah. from day one on a very tough Charlton pitch, a very tiring pitch. You know, he ran for a full ninety minutes, and uh, I think that shows the kind of professional he is, and he's, he's definitely deserving of a one-year deal. It will be interesting uh, with Baird to see if he is in the team tomorrow night. There's a few players back. We'll talk a bit more about Barnsley later in the show. But Chris Baird, um, possibly his place under threat, but maybe we'll find room for him elsewhere in the team. That will be interesting. Um, lastly then, Michael Kiteley. Obviously, he's been at Turf more most of the season on wall. Started 26 games, scored a couple of goals. An important part of the show dash side, but... His final ball does get criticised quite a lot. His end product hasn't quite been there for me. I don't think he scores enough goals, creates enough assists. Um, but Dash seems to like him. So what do you reckon, Nathan? Do you think Kyle on a permanent deal in, on, in the summer is perhaps on the agenda? If he's happy to take a wage cut, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd happily have him again. It's just that, you know, I mean, he's not had as much Premier League experience as Baird, but... I think you know he's been in and around a squad that's been in the Premier League long enough that I think he'd be a, a you know a good person to have around and you know there is them moments where he just shows absolute brilliance but you know there is them moments where you just think that was absolutely useless what what you know what were you thinking doing there but you know I think he'd be good to have around if he is willing to you know take a wage cut because we I don't think we'd be able to afford his wages at full time. We had a post on the site this week called some of Michael Cowley's performances absolutely appalling. Which was probably a little bit harsh, but he, he seems to be a bit of a marmite player, doesn't he, Jen? Yeah. People are either big fans of Kiteley or not. Where, whereabouts do you stand on Michael Kiteley, Jen? I, I mean, I, I was really excited when we signed him. You know, I was I had images of Michael Kiteley of the Wolves promotion year. Yeah, I think um, everyone expected that. And I, I just don't think he's delivered on that. What he has delivered on is he's he's clearly got a great work rate. You know, he works hard, he gets forward, gets backwards, but. His, his final ball has been at times just baffling for someone who's made a you know very good living as a, a wide midfielder, and you know you you remember those balls he put in at Wolves, and then you see some of the crosses he's put in for us, and you you're questioning whether it's the same player or an imposter. Um, it really is that different to to what we've seen in the past. It's frustrating as well, isn't it? Because he gets in those positions so often. And you think, all you've got to do now is put the good ball into the box. But yeah, it's, it's a really good Michael Carter cross has sadly been quite rare this season. And for a player who came, admittedly, he's missed quite a lot of football in the last couple of years, but came with a big reputation. Like you say, that Wolves side, I think he missed the end of that season through injury as well. But he scored about eight goals this season. He was arguably the best right winger in the Championship. And we haven't seen those levels from him. But Dash is obviously a fan. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see I, if we are interested in keeping him. I think there have been elements that have been you know, very good, but it is that end product that I think the fans really want to see. Maybe, you know, when you're looking at it as the manager, you, you're looking at the other stuff he's bringing to the side. But from a fan's point of view, you, I think you look more at the missed opportunities. There was a, a you know move on Saturday where he got into a lot of space on the right and he's in a perfect position to put a cross in. But instead he wants to put one more man and he, he ends up taking it too far and it's it's out for a goal kick. And I think that's the kind of 
time when a fan's just really frustrated at that type of player because you know he's got that end product there and he could have put in the early cross and it could have been a good cross but he just tried to do a little bit too much of it. I wonder as well with Kitely, I sometimes think it's a matter of confidence because he'll run all day and you'll always get that from him. No question about his commitment and his desire and his work rate but for me when he gets in those positions he just doesn't seem to believe that he's going to put Lurelio cross in and obviously votes and missed the last couple of games through injury but when you've got a player as good in the air as Sam Volks if you're not confident you're going to get a cross on his head it just makes you question why you're playing on the wing I'm always comparing to Scott Arfield who maybe not the traditional hit the byline winger but Scott Arfield scored eight goals this season Kiteley scored two one of them probably wasn't his goal it just deflects in off a defender so see the difference in the end product between those two players. Arfield keeps coming up with the big goals, and I think Kiteley's one winner was it against um, who was it against the, at the turf earlier in the season? Barnsley, maybe was it when we played Barnsley? He's only got one Barnsley, winner. Yes, yeah, scored a sensational goal against Barnsley. He's actually scored three times this season, I think, hasn't he? But two of them are very dubious. Is it three? Very, very dubious. The stats I've got in front of me say two, but that includes Charlton, well, which I wouldn't credit to him. Was well, there another one claimed, as well? He's claiming the one at Millwall as well, which is very, very dubious. The one at Charlton, I think, is his, but the one at Millwall is very, very dubious. That's, that's, that's a very, very big deflection. <laughs> well, there's certainly only one that he can definitely but, have. It was, yeah, yeah, the, one, the one against Barnes, he was top-notch. It was a, I had actually forgotten he scored it for a while until I saw it again a few days ago, and that was an absolutely sensational goal. Probably a goal of the season contender, actually. I mean, we'll do that close to the end of the season, but that goal's certainly going to be up there as well, especially for what it meant in what some people say is a local derby. I'm not convinced, but a, a goal of that quality to win the game. It's quite late it's as well in that match. Yeah. That's a dot. Oh, jeez. Yeah, the Yorkshire derby thing. I mean, there's like 10 teams near it, but some people would say it's a derby. Yeah, well, I think that's pushing the... the... <laughs> The Rose <laughs> connection too far, isn't it? <laughs> a few comments on Kiteley, actually, from listeners. Uh, Rick says, keep Kiteley because he's good at getting the ball out of the net after he scored points out that on Saturday when Arfield equalised, Kiteley was rushing to restart. None of this, we've got a draw and be happy with that. He was after getting a winner. <laughs> Roger says, Michael Kiteley offers hard work, but he's no letting James. Well, if you compare all our wingers to letting James, then you're going to be disappointed, aren't you? I have someone, I think it was on the site, comparing Kiteley to... Glenn Little and it's like well, there's no point comparing players to Glenn Little because you're not going to be very happy um, Gank says Kiteley's set pieces have been rubbish I think that's absolutely fair everyone who's taken set pieces for us this season has been rubbish Daniel says he's an upgrade on Chris Eagles who we had last time we went up Gank says he's inconsistent but when he's good he's really really good so what's the spread of opinion on Michael Kiteley who is of course um at Turfmore on loan all season. So from what we were saying, maybe keep tightly, maybe keep bad. Everyone else is probably going to go. So there's going to be a lot of players needing to come in um, between now and the start of next season. Assuming we go up, keep saying assuming we go up, which we are all now assuming. Um, I'm just wondering if there's any ideas for players we might target. Obviously, we're going to need to strike around with Nathan with, with Volks certainly missing the start of the season. Yeah, um, I was having a conversation about this the other day actually, and I it's probably a long shot, but I really, really would enjoy Ross McCormack. 
McCormack has been mentioned quite a lot. He, he seems to be the name that people uh, think of first. I don't know if that's just because he's top scorer in the league this season, but he's certainly had a very good year. Mm. Um, I suppose wages is probably going to be the thing with players like McCormack, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Leeds are obviously paying a lot of money for players, but yeah, McCormack, I think as well, isn't they turned down about four million for him in January, so that it would probably take quite a lot of money in the Leeds are. As, um, as we call completely screwed. So McCormack would be an interesting one. What about you, James? Are there any strikers you'd like to see us go after in the summer? Pretty much anyone but Ross McCormack. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's your beef with Ross McCormack? I just, I just, he's just someone I can't imagine in a Burnley shirt. I don't know if anyone else ever gets this, but there's certain players that you, you think of and you can think, yeah, they're, they're good in a player, but you just think they could never be a Burnley player. I think Ross McCormack just perfectly fits that for me. McCormack's a funny one, isn't he? I mean, he's had an extremely good year this year, and I think a few years ago he had a very good season playing for Cardiff. But in between those two years, he's not really ripped the division alight. And yeah. I'd probably want someone a bit younger. I think we need to be looking at the next Danny Ng, Sam Volks type player, someone that we can develop and then maybe sell on in the future, but... Also, you probably need to think about a target man, don't you? Because we can't assume Volks is going to be his old self when he does get back to fitness and we don't know when he's going to be available. So we're going to need someone who's going to make the ball stick in the final third, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say, dissing Ross McCormack aside, is that I think really it depends on you know what... Um, we what style of football we want to play in the Premier League, you know, how we want to set up. I think that... Um, Dash should probably be going in into the summer with an idea of what system he wants to play and thinking about how he can, you know, what sort of player he wants to fit those roles he's got. I mean, if you know what I mean, he'll lay out his formation. He'll be thinking what type of player he wants in each position, you know, what attributes they need to bring to the side, what they need to be good at. You know, is it someone who's in the midfield who's going to be a great passer and, you know, can get up and down a lot. Is it someone who's, you know, a great tackler or up front? Is it someone who's going to be able to chase balls or is it someone who can close down, win balls in the air and hold it up like Sam Volks does? And uh, I think a lot of that will be the major factor in who we sign. And it might mean we sign someone that a lot of fans are going to think, oh, he's not going to be good enough for the Premier League. But a lot of people thought, you know, Scott Arfield wouldn't be good enough for the exactly, Championship. Exactly, yeah. You know, David Jones, if some people thought he was an underwhelming signing. And they turned out to be. <laughs> I was happy when we signed David Jones. But but you know these players have could, turned out to be absolutely perfect for the system we've played. Mm. I think um, Dash as well is obviously very keen on character, isn't he? So I think you're absolutely right. There will be players arrive at Turf Moor, and people will go, "Why are we signing them? They're not going to be good enough for the Premier League." But Scott Arfield's the, the perfect example. I, most people, when Arfield signed, were like, what are we doing signing a Huddersfield rejects? And he's got eight goals this season. Six of them have come in Burnley wins. The goal on Saturday felt like a winner, even though it was an equaliser. He comes up with big goals and the big moments and gives you so much else as well. So players like Scott Arfield might be the sort of profile we're actually looking for yeah. in the summer. A couple of suggestions that we've had on the chat. Uh, Fletcher, if Sunderland go down, possibly his wages are probably going to be quite big. And- I would love him back, though. I, I think Stephen Fletcher was absolutely top class. I was a massive fan, but it would mean he's been relegated three times in four years. I wouldn't care. 
regardless of what system we play, I think Stephen Fletcher is the best striker I've ever seen in a Burnley shirt, bar none. His touch was absolutely first class, but... And he can't even be blamed for Sunderland's relegation because he didn't even get a look in at the side. No, I know a lot of Sunderland fans um, from going to the university up there and they have some doubts over his commitment this season. I think it's the fairest way to say it. They don't seem to think he fancies it right now. I don't think he was fancied either, was he, to be honest. What was it he's missed the last few months because of? Lacking match fitness? That is not injury. That's not even a condition. The only way to get match fitness is to play matches. So to not even put him in your 18 on the back of him lacking match fitness just shows that clearly someone doesn't fancy him, uh, despite the fact he's possibly the only person at Sunderland I could imagine scoring a Premier League goal. Well, I was going to say about that, it's goals that have been Sunderland's problem, but if they're not feeling Fletcher's going to be the one, you wonder why they are going to get goals for. He's not started tonight either. Because I mean, think commit- Fletcher will probably move on. Yeah, because commitment-wise, I think there was that season at Wolves, he, he kept them up single-handedly. He scored like 12 goals in... Well, last season as well, Sunderland only stayed up because of the goals Fletcher scored. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a complete class act. He's He's got everything uh, you want from a centre-forward. and uh, But he's going to he'd cost an arm and a leg, unfortunately. Mm. I think he'd be perfect at Arsenal, to be fair. I, uh, I always uh, make the case for Stephen Fletcher because I'm a massive fan and I agree. I think he could play for... a He'd, I think he'd fit in better at a better club just because he would get better service and not have to it, run around on his own up front like he has for a couple of the clubs he's played for. But with that touch he's got, he'd be a perfect match at somewhere like Arsenal where they've got a lot of you know touchy players who can, can play great football and he'd be able to, I think, bang him in for them. But Arsene Wenger would have to look past the fact he's not French. or you know. <laughs> Steven Fletcher. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I'm glad you just all uh, let that one slide. We'll, we'll edit that out. We'll edit that out. <laughs> Looking ahead to tomorrow night's game, then we will talk about um, potential targets in in podcasts in the coming weeks. But it's maybe tempting a bit of fate to go into too much detail right now. Um, Barnsley tomorrow night, then Barnsley away. Orkwell, not a very happy hunting ground for us. It is one of our bulky grounds. Um, but there are going to be a few players back in contention. Dean Marnie served his too-much ban. Apparently David Jones is going to be fine to play after his um, injury, whatever, illness, whatever it was that forced him off on Saturday. Uh, Kieran Drippier, Danny Ings, also potentially back in the squad. Um, Nathan, with all these players coming back, you've got to fancy us to get results tomorrow night and smash another of these hoodoos at away ground. Yeah, I think, to be fair, I think even if, you know, Kieran and Trippier and Danny Ings don't feature in the game I think we'll be fine because you know without Dean Marnie we, we, he's actually a big loss um, he's one of them players that you know you, appre- you, you appreciate what he does but not you, know, you appreciate him more when he's not there um, if that makes sense <laughs> but um, so I think at Barnes I think we'll come away with a good result there um, I, don't, I don't have any doubts really I think it's three points in the bag I think Honestly are fighting for survival of course so <laughs> can work both ways, can't it? If you play teams that are scrapping, sometimes yeah. um, it means well, they're well, fighting more. But obviously, down at the bottom of the league because they're not a very good team. So on paper, yeah. you would expect us to go there and get a good result. Well, I really, I really don't like that statement. You know, when people say, "Oh, I'm going there and they're fighting for a result," and you know, they're fighting for survival. And I don't like that statement because we're fighting for promotion. So we've got you know the same amount to play for. If anything, you know, we've both got 
big goals, and I just think we I think we would want it more tomorrow night. It's a fair point. I think commitment obviously has been right there for Burnley yeah. all season. So I can't see us taking it easy until until we are over the line. Dash has been pushing the one game at a timeline for months. So I'm sure we will be going hard as yeah. always. I'm being relentless and it'll be all about the framework and all of Dash's favourite fr- favorite phrases. Say that one after a few beers, by me. <laughs> um, James, all these players coming back then. What what do you think the team's going to look like tomorrow night, assuming trip earnings are going to make it as is being reported today? I think I think if if they're both going to make it, they they slot back in. Um, I think it's as simple as that. It's you perhaps say harsh on some of the lads who played well uh, in the side while they've been out, but um, you know you're not going to miss class acts like that. To be honest, I think maybe Ings won't make it. Um, I'm sure he's dying to play, but. At the same time, I think we'll be sort of treading a little bit carefully because there's no know, point with, rushing him back. Yeah, so. with Volks already missing the beginning of next season, uh, you really don't want to risk things going into the summer. And you know, it's a fair point saying that we're fighting for promotion, but I'd, I'd say the the real fight's over, and uh, we're sort of you know cruising into port now. Um, <laughs> interesting phrase. I've never heard that one used before. And. Uh, you know, we've we, we've done our fishing. We're heading home. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I think we, I think we'll win at Bonzi. You know, they've they've still got it all to play for. Definitely, they, you know, they're not relegated yet. On form, it looks like you know, if anything, they're going to finish in a worse position they're in now. But uh, it, like it's been said, it's been a bogey ground for us in the past. But Dash has shown this season that we've managed to to overturn a lot of those who do's and I think tomorrow will be one of those as well I wonder if there'll be a place for Chris Baird in the team tomorrow night Trippier sounds like he's likely to come back in so obviously that feels right back you're not going to play Baird over Trippier at right back uh, Jones and Marnie both going to be available in central midfield so that's our first choice union there um, Baird might have to go back on the bench even though he's been excellent the last few weeks hasn't he that'd be unfortunate but I suppose it's he must have known when he came in that he was going to be a stopgap. Yeah, I think he'll... Yeah, I'm I... sure that, you know... Go on, James. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll know that... Um... <laughs> I'll go, never mind. Um, I'm sure that he'll know that there was a good chance he'd, he'd end up sort of being a bench player if, you know, if injuries didn't come into it. Um, and you can't really argue with Kieran Trippier's form over the whole season. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same. You know, he obviously knew when he came to the club he would just be, you know, this kind of switching in and out player that, you know, if we had an injury he would go straight in and and, and you can't really argue against Kieran Trippier's stats and performances. You know, you can't keep a class like, like that out for, you know, longer than he needs to be. So, yeah, I think he'll slot straight back in tomorrow. I'm really excited about tomorrow night. I think it's going to be one of those classic away days. I think a couple of thousand tickets have already been sold. You can pay on the gate. I'm sure there'll be Burnley fans all over the north of England at work tomorrow wondering if they can knock off a bit early and make sure they get to Barnsley. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people feeling a bit dodgy in the office tomorrow afternoon (laughs) and needing to go home for the afternoon and then managing to recover in time to make it to Barnsley. I'm sure there's going to be an awful lot of that around. Of course, Barnsley, only a couple of hours' drive away from places like Manchester, even Burnley. Like, it's, it, it's an easy one to get to. So if you are running an hour in about going down, I 
think you definitely need to be there. I think it's going to be absolutely belting. And the away end holds like 6,000 at Oakwell, so there's no way we're going to fill it, but let's get as many people down there as possible. Absolutely. Um, we will end with some predictions then, just for Barnsley, uh, Middlesbrough. We haven't even mentioned the visitors to Turf Moor on Saturday, but we'll just concentrate on Barnsley for now. Nathan, uh, yeah. Burnley win tomorrow night then? Yeah, definitely. Can I just mention the last time we were on the podcast, I predicted 3-0 Charlton, and uh, we got a 3-0. Against Can we make sure you predict a win then, please? I'm, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to say it's a comfortable 3-0 again, I think. <laughs> Excellent. Get down the bookies. Get down the bookies. What about you, James? You predicted 5-0 at Watford. That didn't really happen, did it? No, that didn't, that didn't turn out. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I had to send an email to the HR manager today about something unrelated, so I just had to start it out with fair result, I think. Um, just before I get any reply back about how I told him we were going to win 5-0. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tone it down a little bit for tomorrow night, and I'm gonna say two 0 Two 0 I think we'd all settle for that. Of course, Burnley could be promoted technically next weekend, uh, depending on other results. Uh, so this could be our last podcast as a Championship club. So fingers crossed. If you're not going to Barnsley tomorrow, if you can't make it to South Yorkshire, then No One Ever Live will be on about half past seven tomorrow night. I'm sure we'll look after you very well there and of course Saturday as well for Middlesbrough's trip to Turf Moor um, but that's it for us tonight thanks to everyone who's listened joined in with your comments always appreciated if you've got any feedback on the podcast please do let us know as well you can email us bog at net or tweet us at net. if you want to be on the podcast in the future please let us know as well we're always after guests to come on the show but that's it for tonight thanks to james and nathan for joining me thanks for everyone who's listened and we will be back at the same time next week good night you've been listening to the no nay never podcast for more visit no never.net and don't forget follow us on twitter at no never net away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.